The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is our pre-Super Bowl mailbag slash YouTube live chat. If you're watching on YouTube, it is Tuesday, February 1st. If you are listening to the podcast, this will come out on Thursday, February 3rd. So, you know, just be aware of that. Uh, it's... It's also a good reason why you should subscribe to YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. Hit the alert button. You'll get notifications when we go live or when we plan to go live. Joining me to chat about the Super Bowl, chat to answer any questions you guys have. And if you have questions you want to leave in the chat, by all means, do it. John Breach, what's up, buddy? Brenton, you know what's up, man? I haven't slept all week. My eyes are puffy, everyone. I have not slept since Sunday. I don't sleep anymore. I don't need to sleep. All I have is chili running through my veins. Yeah. I'm ready. We've been doing a lot of podcasting. <laughs> A lot. And I mean, Tom Brady alone has gotten two emergency podcasts. We're, we're on Josh HQ. Daniels got hired. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Who knows who got hired between Tuesday when we're doing this live video show? And like, we like, we look like kind of like nice. You know, like we've, we've, we're both bundled up because it's, it's cold up in my office. I even got the fire going up here. Uh, but, you know, hair looking okay. You know, feeling, feeling a little fresh, I guess. Uh, again, if you got questions, leave them in the comments on YouTube. And uh, we got a bunch of questions from Twitter and what not. Also, if you're listening to the podcast on Thursday and you want to give us a five-star rating on Spotify, they just introduced those. That would be fantastic. Uh, quick, I guess worth, I mean, eh, Ken Dorsey hired or uh, promoted to the Bills offensive coordinator position, which I think is uh, interesting. It means he's not going to New York with uh, Dable. That's right. All right, we're going to start with a question from Jonathan at the old Johnny boy on Twitter is Cincy set up for success long-term or are they the Colts, AKA a franchise quarterback and nothing else for years. Hmm. They are not the Colts. I will just say that right off the bat because the Colts aren't in the Super Bowl. The Bengals are. Oh, you know, the thing is, you look, and, and this is, I think this is referencing Andrew Luck, not Carson no, Kitts, right, right. obviously, right. Um, but you look, it, look, look, I, and I do get the Andrew Luck reference in the sense that, like, that guy got beat up so badly behind some bad offensive lines that he couldn't take anymore and he retired. You can only take so many hits, so much punishment. And, I, you know, that is the concern with, uh, Joe Burrow, he was the only quarterback in the NFL who took more than 50 sacks this year. He is the only quarterback in NFL history who has led his team to a Super Bowl in a year where he took the most sacks in the NFL. So you think about that. You can't let him get keep getting beat up. That's that's, you know, obvious. And so it does feel like, uh, you know, I went on walking for his radio show in Baltimore last Friday, and I told him it does feel like that the Bengals are set up for success, definitely in the AFC North, 
because you look at kind of the disarray in that division right now. Uh, the Browns, they don't know what their maybe Baker Mayfield's the quarterback of the future. Maybe he's not. You don't know. Obviously, the Steelers have their own situation, and the Ravens just feel like they're on the brink of either take the next step and become a Super Bowl team with Lamar Jackson, or and you know they're going to have to rebuild. They've got a new defensive coordinator. There's just a lot of questions, and it feels like the Bengals' biggest question mark is. Can they fix their offensive line? Because Burrow's on his rookie deal for the next – they don't have to renegotiate until after next season at the earliest. You have – you know, T. Higgins is still on his rookie deal. Joe Mixon is under contract. Jamar Chase obviously on his rookie deal. So their nucleus of players, uh, they're all signed. And they have, what, like the most open cap space going into next season? It's like top three. Uh, so this team is built very well very well to be a good team in the future. So I think if you're a Bengals fan, you have to be excited uh, and that they should be able to sustain this type of success as long as no one gets injured. So, yeah, I would say that if you were ranking the uh, – and look, windows in the NFL are typically smaller than you like to think. It is very hard to be we, – we talked about this on the Tom Brady podcast with Sully, the Emergency Tom Brady Retired 2.0 podcast – in your feet. Um, I mean, the chiefs have been to four, the chiefs have hosted four AFC championship games and have one super bowl to show for it. That's still one super bowl is great, you know, but you, you also have to remember that even though Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes now, you know, is going to his, his deal uh, takes up a ton of cap space. It's expensive. Uh, he's no longer on the rookie contract. And additionally, you know, it, it, you just don't know how long somebody's going to play. I mean, if you told me Andrew luck walked away from football, when he did, I would I would be stunned, right? I mean, everyone would be. It was it was a stunning event. So these windows just aren't as 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 wide as you tend to think. But I do think the Bengals are in a good spot. Reminds me a little bit of 2011 when they drafted. Uh, well, I guess in two, so it started in 2010, really, and and maybe you could even go back to 2009. The, the Bengals had this good run of drafts, and it's the same front office doing it, right? So it's 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 reasonable to uh, to suggest that it's you know, it's not like a, a total fluke. They you know, had um, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Andre Smith, who was, a, I mean, I don't think he was like, you know, great. I mean, Kevin Huber, they drafted. They, you know, they picked up uh, in 2009. Then they got Geno Atkins in the fourth round of 2010. Carlos Dunlap in the second round that year. Uh, 2011, really sort of the, the fulcrum there when they get A.J. Green and Andy Dalton in the first and second rounds. And we make fun of Dalton all the time, of course. But, you know, you get that quarterback. You get that wide receiver. Well, and let me say something to that point, Brinson, because that was kind of building like, you know, dynasty is not the right word, but like what, like a third rate dynasty, you know, where you had talented enough players that got you the playoffs five straight times. I'm just looking for like an above average NFL team. <laughs> right. Really a dynasty. Yes. Yeah. Like a playoff. We get to the playoffs all the time. But so it's like so the Bengals drafted real well 2011 and, and right around that period that, that put together that team. And it's almost like they did the exact same thing, except better at every position. So instead of just being a team that's one and done every year, now you have a Super Bowl contender every year. Because you have Joe Burrow instead of Andy Dalton. You have Jamar Chase instead of A.J. Green. A.J. Oh. Green was awesome. You have Joe Mixon instead of everyone the Bengals were running through at running back for those first five years that, that Dalton was there and they were going to the playoffs. So like, they're, they've upped. They've, they've just hit the up button, the improve button at every single position from those playoff teams. And now it does feel like they can be Super Bowl contender every year. Well, I mean, and again, like, 
to just to continue, 2012, Dre Kirkpatrick, Kevin Zeitler, Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Jones, all part of that draft class. 2013, Tyler Eifert, Gio Bernard, Marcus Hunt, uh, Rex Burkhead was in there as well. Um, and then 2014, Darquez Denard, Jeremy Hill, uh, AJ McCarron. I mean, he started a playoff game for him, right? I mean, he, he was a big factor. So I think all of those things sort of built towards that really good 2015 season. Then they made the mistake after 2015. They had drafted Cedric Ogbui and Jake Fisher in the first two rounds. That it wasn't a, you know, CJ Uzama was part of that draft class, but they made the mistake of letting Andrew Whitworth walk. And they're, you know, the, they weren't ready on the offensive line to replace him. Cause I think Andre Smith walked that year too. And they basically said, all right, our two tackles that we're going to put in here are going to make it. They, they haven't been, it hadn't, things haven't been the same since then. But so, like, I, my point being is that the 2015 draft, and the decision making in 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 terms of who they were going to retain is what caused the Bengals to take a big step back. Now you have you know 2016, you know William Jackson, Tyler Boyd, a key piece of of this year's team. Um, Carl Lawson is now gone, but they replaced him with Trey Hendrickson in free agency in 2017. Joe Mixon was the second round pick that year. Uh, 2018, I know Billy Price uh, a bust as a first round pick, but they trade him for uh, B.J. Hill, who's been huge. Jesse Bates who made a key play in the AFC title game. Yeah, Sam Hubbard, Jesse Bates. I mean, you're talking about guys who have been big-time contributors, and then you start to sort of look at the the next three or four drafts and, and through Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, um, you know, Jamar Chase, Cameron, you know, just all these guys, Evan McPherson, all these guys have formed this core. So I do think that the Bengals are in good shape moving forward because they have drafted well over the last three or four, four or five years. It's created this very nice core for them, and sort of similar to the Bills where – they were able to, by virtue of, again, good drafting, able to drop this star quarterback into this ecosystem that now can allow him to flourish. Now, it's not guaranteed that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender every year, but the fact that the Browns are sort of in flux with a good roster but questions at quarterback, the Steelers are clearly hitting some kind of button, whether it's a retool or reboot button or, or, or you know whatever you want to call it. Ben's gone. Their GM's leaving. Uh, and then the Ravens, I, I would push back on your point a little bit, Breach, just because I think they dealt with so many injuries. But certainly, you know, the the Ravens are not an insurmountable foe for the Bengals in this division. It feels like maybe it's going to, you know, the Bengals are, have put themselves in. No, I didn't say the Bengals were. I just said the Ravens are a team in flux. Where they're, they're in a spot where it's time to be that Super Bowl contender or did Lamar Jackson peak and now they're going to be, you know, a playoff contender every year that can't take the next step. Like, I don't think the Ravens are going to be bad next year by any means. I think I wouldn't be throwing that hot take around if it were me, but that's, but I know what you're saying there. Look, there's some, still some questions for the Bengals here too. I mean, like every team in the NFL, the offensive line. I mean, that's the hugest one. You got, and, and like I said, I'm looking it up now, salary cap number for next year. The Bengals are projected by over the cap to have the third most salary cap space heading into the 2022 off season. Uh, guess where the only playoff team, the Bengals are projected at $58 million in cap space. The only other playoff team that is in made the playoffs this season that is projected to have more than 30 million is the Steelers, but yep. they have to find a quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, that's a huge advantage when you have one gaping hole and you can use that money to fix it. Yeah, no, look, the Bengals are the Bengals are in great shape, and maybe they like their offensive line and think it'll continue to grow and develop. Um, you all, you know, you're not gonna have a high draft pick like you have in years past, but their roster as a whole is in good shape. Jesse Bates, you're gonna have to uh, figure out. You're gonna have to surely sign him into a franchise tag him or sign him to an extension. B.J. Hill, I would guess. Shout out NC State. Uh, you know, he was a third or fourth round pick by the Giants, I think. 
And he's played so well in, under uh, Lou Anarumo that I would anticipate he's interested in coming back to Cincinnati. He's a free agent after this year. You, you got Eli Apple, Kevin Huber, uh, Quentin Spain, CJ Uzama's a free agent. I mean, but a, like all things considered, that's a pretty good spot to be in, especially when Tyler Boyd signed, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase not eligible, Joe Burrow not eligible. You have time to sort of continue Figure this planning and and know that in you know a couple of years you're going to be extending these young players. And, and the one thing that you know I don't think it's talked about a lot is that free agents might actually want to come to Cincinnati now. It, the Bengals are the team that had to overpay if they wanted free agents to show up. The teams were, uh, you know, even Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson, there were some eyebrows raised when they gave him all that money because it was like, uh, you know, was he a product of playing next to Cam Jordan? Can he replicate that success? And he has been such a huge part of this defensive turnaround uh, year over year. But the fact that, you know, when free agents go to visit, they're like, man, I get to play for Joe Burrow, the offensive lineman. They're going to want to play for Joe Burrow and have him be the quarterback. So uh, that is going to make free agency easier for the Bengals. Uh, and, you know, and that, that doesn't mean they're going to go out and sign every stud, but it does mean that it, they can make some moves in free agency that I don't think they would have been able to make three, four, five years ago. I mean, Mike Hilton said this past offseason that he came to Cincinnati because of Joe Burrow. You know, so yeah, you got a franchise quarterback, a chance to win. You're in the Super Bowl. Definitely a um, a team that is is built is in a very good spot for the future. Credit to uh, Duke Tobin for the way that they sort of re-engineered this thing, and and of course, look, good job tanking because you get Joe Burrow. Oh, boy, these are these are really catered to uh, to our interest. Mike Holston asks: Is Matthew Stafford in the Hall of Fame if he wins Super Bowl MVP? Oh, uh, it's the Brinson special. Well, I'll let Brinson have it. Well, if he wins the Super Bowl MVP, it means he won the Super Bowl. So I, I don't think he has to win Super Bowl MVP to get into the Hall of Fame. I think winning the Super Bowl will get him in the Hall of Fame. I ran it on this on um, on CBS Sports HQ when I told I said somebody needs to box Pete Prisco's tiny tan ears and let him know that the reality is if Matthew Stafford, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford is is going into the Hall of Fame eventually because. Once you get removed from the career, five years removed, and you're being debated, what nobody's thinking like, oh, did the you know did he suck with the, like he couldn't win with the Lions? It doesn't matter. He they're going to say he has a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl ring. He won, you know, you know, going to be above five hundred with playoff games, right? I think because he was was he now is he three and three or two and three now? Uh, three and three. Yeah, He's three and three. Yes, I mean, like, it, it erases the whole idea that you didn't win any playoff games in Detroit. And I think it, 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 you you start to look at the spin, you're like, all right, this guy didn't win in Detroit because Detroit can't find a way to win somehow. Um, and when, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to probably retire top, uh, top five all-time passing yards, passing touchdowns. And if he, if he has a Super Bowl ring, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. That's just how they work. Matt Ryan, if the, if the Falcons had held on to beat the Patriots – would be a stone cold lock to to get in the Hall of Fame because he would have an MVP, a Hall, a, hall, you know, a, a, a Super Bowl ring, and he would have taken down Tom Brady. I don't think he's a lock to get in now. I think he probably eventually gets in, but it, the, the ring just trumps everything. And if you get two, it doesn't matter what you did. Eli Manning's going cruising in because he's got two. Prince, yes. I have a hypothetical for you. Okay, what if Stafford goes full Chuck Howley, six hundred passing yards, six TDs? 
and loses. But the Rams lose, and you can't give it to anyone in the Bengals because it's like one Burrow passing touchdown, a mixing rushing touchdown, a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. So Stafford is the deserving MVP, but he loses the Super Bowl. Is he a Hall of Famer? Um, I, I, I think that it, it certainly improves his chances, but I would not guarantee it with a loss. Especially if he's like the only guy to, or one of the few guys to ever, has anybody ever done that? Where they lose? Chuck Alley. Oh, Chuck Alley. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if you lose the Super Bowl and win Super Bowl MVP, that's actually might be like worse than losing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it'd be possible for a quarterback to lose the, his team loses and he wins MVP. I know, I know, Debo, this is a great hypothetical. It's only hypothetical, uh, but it would be interesting. Um, but Brinson, you know, it's funny is that I dumped on, I dumped, I, Wilson dumps on your Stafford of the Hall of Fame tank. I I, I just kind of stay indifferent, even though Wilson accuses both of us of putting everyone in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I have been on the fence about Stafford's case, but I absolutely agree with you that if they win this Super Bowl, Stafford's in. It just, it's done. It is a done deal uh, it, because it vindicates the whole argument that he couldn't win because the Lions never had a great team around him. Yes, they had superstars. Calvin Johnson was there. But you're not going to win with a gr- one great receiver and one quarterback, and that's all you have. And the rest of the team is average. You know, you can only go so far. Um, you got to have a little bit more around you to win a Super Bowl. And so it vindicates him. It says, "Hey, you put me on a better team with an offensive-minded coach who knows how to use my talents, and I also have some weapons. I can win games." And that's what Stafford's proving. He's at, he's had a fantastic postseason. Uh, and Brenton, I, I, again, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you, but I do think if the Rams win the Super Bowl, that uh, he will make it to the Hall of Fame. And Stafford's still just has he turned thirty four yet? No, he turns. Uh, oh, turns. Oh my goodness, turns thirty four next week. In six days, he turns thirty four. So I mean, he's still young enough where he could have he could easily play four or five more years, right? Like that's not crazy. And even if he just played three years and won a Super Bowl and passes for, I mean, you know, again, seventeen game season, so stats are going to be up there. I mean, he's probably going to pass for forty five hundred yards minimum, right? So you yeah. do, you, and, and especially in the Rams offense. Right, exactly. So, I mean, like at bare minimum, if he plays three more years, he's going to have 13,000 more uh, passing yards in the regular season. And um, uh, to multiply, that would be 65 million passing yards. That's probably not accurate. 63,000 passing yards, which puts him right there at number six, uh, seven between Marino and Rivers. I think it's more likely that he plays four or five years and has like 48 per season. Again, 17-game season, it helps a ton. And you see him kind of leapfrog into that top five area. That maybe he has to pass Matt Ryan. We'll see. Um, Aaron Rodgers is you know up there, But too. even in the 16-game season, this guy has two of the top 15 passing single-season passing seasons of all time. He threw for 5,000 yards once before the 17 games got hit. Uh, he, he just put up insane numbers in Detroit. And, and now here he is in L.A. putting up big numbers again, except they're winning because the team's good. Do you think that uh, Philip Rivers will get in the Hall of Fame? It's just a simple yes or no. No. Really? Okay. I think I, I think he will be a very long. You asked me for a simple yes or no, and I yeah, yeah. I, I didn't no, want to no, give no, a simple not, yes or no. Yeah, I, it's okay. very gray. Yeah, I th- I think it'll be. I think he'll eventually get in. Might not be first ballot. Um, I, I think he gets in, but just looking at the passing yards leaders: Brady one, Breeze two, Manning three, Far four, Big Ben five, Rivers six, Marino seven. You know, and then Matt Ryan eight, Eli Manning nine, Aaron Rodgers ten, John Elway eleven. I mean, Matt Ryan and Rivers are the only guys who are maybe not guaranteed to get in, but are certainly fringe and could end up going in. And then after that, it's Stafford at twelve. I mean, 
it's just it's going to be hard to keep these guys with these stats out. Even well, that's true, but you're going to have to draw a line eventually because we're in such a pass-happy era that we're going to get to a point where, you know, we might have a guy throw for 60,000 yards who, you know, no one's arguing should be in the Hall of Fame. And and we're not quite there yet. Uh, but, you know, but, Joe, but Flacco, that's, that's, Joe Flacco has is, is ranks 19th all-time in passing yards, and no one, as great as he was in 2012 and, and during that playoff run, no one's putting Joe Flacco in the Hall of Fame, you know? Sure, but, so like, now, but I want you to look at this top, this top 15, right? The Carson, the only three guys who, because Eli, it, what's the difference between Eli Manning and Matt Ryan? What's the difference between Philip Rivers, Carson Palmer, Matt Ryan versus Eli Manning? Bowl. The Super Bowl. Super Bowls, right. If you were on this list and you won a Super Bowl, it's just yes, an easy decision. That. And that's the whole thing is it's not like I'm trying to prop up Stafford. It's just an easy decision for the, for the Hall of Fame voting committee, particularly once we get through so again, like let's say Stafford plays four, four or five more years, or even three, he's not going to be up for nomination until eight, nine, ten years down the road, and so that means you will have cleared out almost all of these quarterbacks. Matt, you know, we'll see on Matt Ryan, but you know, Eli, Ben, Rivers, Brady, Breeze, all will be through the quote unquote system, and therefore, it'll be a lot easier to say, all right, Stafford with a Super Bowl ring. All these yardage numbers, he's a first, maybe a first ballot Hall of Famer just because no one else is retired in terms that of that era. Uh, you're probably just competing with Russ, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Not like Russ and Matt Ryan because Rodgers, we would think Rodgers will probably be gone by then too, right? Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan is, is I can, I think, in between Rodgers and Stafford. Um, would you put just, this is a general question, would you put Matt Ryan in or Phillip Rivers first? Ooh. I would put, I would put, I would put, I would put on the spot. I would put Rivers in before Ryan. I think I would too. It's pretty easy, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's easy. I mean, we could have a separate podcast I mean, about it during the offseason. MVP, have... Super Bowl appearance, and neither for for Philip Rivers. Yep. And Matt um, Ryan's stats are going to exceed Rivers. Yeah, probably. Maybe next year. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah Matt Ryan's going to play one more year with the Falcons. I just think Rivers... I mean... Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm biased. But I think I think Rivers is above Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Ryan, Rivers played in a much Rivers played in the era when you weren't necessarily, thro- you know. I mean, he played in from 2004 to, you know, 2000. I mean, Ryan Ryan got the benefit, I think, of coming four years later, which is a huge help. And also, anyway, yeah, Rivers had a lot of good stuff around him, but I would put Rivers in before Ryan. I think it's I don't think it's actually that remarkably close. Um, Lazy comrade ask. Been listening to the pod for a year, and I still don't know which team Brinson supports. Mm-hmm-hmm. I guess as he cheers for whichever team he's got, he's put a bet on. Also, did Breach shout in front of his TV, kick a f- effing field goal while since he was running the ball after they'd crossed the target line? Breach, I'll let you answer uh, first. Uh, did I shout at my TV after the run? You know what is funny is all I, I was. I did everything. I can't even explain. Like my whole mind was, was just filled with every single possible thought. Like no score touchdown. I didn't want to risk. I don't want to, the holder could fumble it. The, the kick could get blocked. Even if McPherson is perfect on the season, something out of his control could keep him from making it. But then you think about uh, the Steelers Bengals game from 2015 when Jeremy Hill fumbled and you're like, Oh my God, no, don't run it because then they could fumble, kick the field goal, kick the field goal. Um, and so I will tell you the one thing though, is that having a, dad who kicked in the NFL and kicked the most overtime field goals in NFL history without a miss. The one thing he had always said 
was kick the field goal on third down. And that way, if there's, you know, if the, if the snap's low, the holder is just supposed to spike it. And then boom, you run the play again. You kick the field goal again. Bengals ran early, sent everyone out there. And I mean, that was the most, it, it was just, once they got inside the 20 yard line, that's when I was thinking, just kick the field goal, kick the field goal, get this over with, kick the field goal, kick the field goal. And that was exact. Yeah. So kick the field goal was going through my head in case you can't tell. I mean, Evan McPherson is nails. And by the way, how about, uh, did you read the, I think it was uh, Peter King's uh, for football, football morning in America column, but apparently Kevin Huber, did you see this breach? I'm not sure. So McPherson's lining up, goes out there. They're getting ready to do the kick in overtime. And as McPherson steps back and lines up, Huber turns around and looks at him and goes, we're going to the Super Bowl. And so and McPherson's like, yeah. And like, God, I said, he got an extra burst of adrenaline, which is, that's kind of cool because, you know, the broadcast was wondering what will McPherson's line be? You know, after well, you said we're going to the AFC championship game. And, and to add to that, McPherson literally did an interview in the last 24 hours on CBS sports radio with Zach Gelb. And, I'll just ask him, hey, what what do you feel about the Super Bowl? And McPherson's exact quote was, there's a good chance the Bengals are going to have a ring. And, you know, wow. it's not it's not a guarantee, but it's a confident – it's saying, hey, hey there is a good chance the Bengals will have a ring. They're four right. and underdogs in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I mean, it's so – your kicker and your quarterback are the two most confident people on the team is hilarious because they are the most under-the-gun positions. And, and McPherson described it uh, – I think it's late last week or earlier this week, whatever. But they, you know, he basically said, "You're a kicker. You're you're like a sniper. You get one shot, and if you miss it, that's it's it weighs on you. So you can't miss." Yeah, look, he's a great kicker, blowing your dad's records out of the water. Blowing um, I, I did. I I thought, and I wasn't worried about McPherson kicking a short field goal, but I was sort of thinking, man, I mean, you've got the Chiefs on their heels, and you were just gashing them in the run game. I mean, why not try and? just punch it in. So there's no, I mean, imagine missing that field goal and you're like, Oh my God. And then the, cause the chiefs are winning the game. If that happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On the other hand, can you imagine you run the football with Joe Mixon and he, you know, honey badger forces a fumble or there's a bot snap or something. I mean, there was a controversial almost fumble because chiefs fans don't think Mixon gave himself up. So like that happens, something dumb like that, where if the refs had said, you know what? He, didn't yeah it's a little he, less he clear. Wasn't yeah right yeah, exactly. exactly so you know anything like that can happen and then all of a sudden uh you're you're just freaking out and you're saying here we go again so well, it, and also once you got to third down it's like now you kick yeah you know like don't if, risk if anything if you, else if you're running the football and you keep getting first downs i don't know that you necessarily kick on first down from the one yard line but i do think if you're you know run, if you're running plays and you get the third down or actually even at that point it was like you got to second down and you want to put him on the best possible hash. So there you use your second down to set that up. Right. Given how close you are, that's pr- it's probably yeah, the that was the only thing when Burrow moved it to hash, he lost like three yards. I was like, don't lose yardage. Don't I, yeah. like, and I hate when that happens because you don't want to, I know it's up close, but you don't want to make a kick any harder than it needs to be. It was still inside the extra point. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It was still, it was still a gimme, but you know, nothing in the NFL playoffs is a gimme. We've seen Blair Walsh against the Seahawks, Billy Cundiff against it's like too many gimmies have been missed in the playoffs. Uh, Stubram Hill asks, can we get Jim B as in Jim breach on the pod at some point? As Debo notes in the chat. Oh yeah, baby. We got a, uh, we got Jim breach coming on the, on the, on the, on the pod at some point. Of course, we'll let you know, subscribe rate review. Uh, make sure you get an alerts. So you'll know when Jim breach is joining us. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back more mailbag questions and anything you got for us in the chat next. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, oh, uh, I didn't answer who my favorite team is. I was going to say, Brent, just <laughs> that question started off, Brent, just ducked the part that pertained to him. Yeah, um... I don't, um, I, I mean, I would say this, like I grew up, uh, gr- grew up a Panthers fan, but the Panthers didn't come around until I was older. So I, you know, so I, I, I've always been a, always been a Panthers fan when I started working at CBS and this is not a, I swear it's not like a, I'm a journalist who prides myself on being objective. Cause I mean, clearly that's not the case. When I started working at CBS, it just became easier not to be a Panthers fan. And you weren't, I'm not picking the Panthers to win the Super Bowl every year. So it sort of became this thing where it was easier to, like, I start to root for the teams that I'm picking to win that season. You know, or if I pick, um, you know, like if I pick Matt, like, and I've always rooted for the Chargers and then for the Colts with Phillip Rivers because of NC State. And then I became a Matthew Stafford. I, I love Stafford. Wasn't gonna, you know, I liked the Lions, I guess, but knew they weren't gonna win. And then so when Stafford went to the Rams, I sort of been sort of uh taking the Rams on and then I picked the 49ers to win. So a weird little combo there. I, I guess I, I don't really have a, a favorite NFL team in the in the sense that like I'm not I'm not I'm not broken inside when the Panthers stink the way that Breach is with the Bing when the Bengals stink. Yeah, I mean it's it's that's true. I yeah. was just going to say, but you know, when they're in their, you know, when they're in their five year stink phase before, you know, from 2016 to 2020, it makes it, it doesn't it, it affect me as much. You just kind of move on. Well, I mean, also, it's like a whole different story, too. You grew up in and around the Bengals like organization. Like, like you are a lifelong Bengals fan. I'm a, I mean, like, I, I guess we were sort of like, you were 15 when the Panthers started existing. Yeah, maybe like 13 or something like Who that. Who did you? What NFL teams did you watch before the Panthers? I, I mean, just watched football, but didn't really have like a team. Like my dad was. My dad wasn't a huge. I mean, my dad's a big football. 15, guy. 15, 14 year old Brinson was a bookie running a neighborhood gambling <laughs> ring. Because well, all right, so the problem is, if you live in North Carolina, you know everybody in the South is a is a is a Braves fan, right? 
Oh um, yeah, and the only Southern NFL teams are really the Falcons and the Saints. Yeah, no, and and then Washington. So everyone east in Eastern North Carolina is a big Washington football team fan. And I just never really like got into them. And the Falcons were, you know, kind of like I probably I probably would have been a Falcons fan more than anything, but I wasn't really a Falcons fan, so it's kind of hard to explain. Um, you know, like it's just a, it was just a, it's a weird geographical situation. Like like I mean, you know. You know, like who you're pulling for. And also, you got to remember, too, when you live in this area, college basketball is king. So it's like, it's just, it's just a, it's just a different dynamic than like living in. Uh, and once the Panthers came here, everybody's a Panthers fan. Yeah. The, uh, the only thing more expensive than a Super Bowl ticket is a ticket to uh, Mike Shashevsky's last game up here in the next month or two. Yeah. It's like $120,000 or something like That's that. That's insanity. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really, I mean, like, I I'm happy when the Panthers play well. And it's good for me because people always want to have me on to talk about the Panthers. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, and I was, I love Cam. You know, Cam was the first, I was, my first draft is at CBS was Cam's year. So I was always a big Cam guy, much more so than uh, maybe some other people. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah. So, I mean, no, I don't really have a favorite team and it's not hard to do. <laughs> uh, Andrew Courtney asks, do we think at Aram Aramaic 29, do we think we get another nail biter of, of a game to finish out this postseason? Or does one team just dominate the other? Who will be the one unsung hero of the winning team? No one knows. Breach while I go cut off the uh, fire in my office. Not like a, like a fireplace in my office. Why don't you uh, take this one real quick? Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. That is not just the inner bangle in me saying that. Look, you look at every game the Bengals have played all year. We're not even just talking the postseason. It's no matter whether they're supposed to lose, win, it doesn't matter. They end up playing a close game. I mean, the Raiders game looked like something that could turn into a blowout. It didn't. Ended up coming down to the final play with Derek Carr throwing an interception. The Titans game, it, the Bengals were up 16-6. to six. It looked like they might be able to run away and, and blow that one out and, and not have it not be close. It came down to the final play. The Chiefs game, it was the opposite. It looked like the Bengals were going to get blown out. It comes down to the final play. So no matter which way it goes, all Bengals games somehow end up being close. I'm sure everyone remembers uh, the Packers game. That looked like it was going to be a blowout, and the Packers were going to win by four touchdowns. It went to overtime. It was decided by three points. The Vikings, the Bears, both decided by three points. The first Chiefs game, it looked like the Chiefs were going to win by seven touchdowns, decided by three points. So like the Bengals are just a tough team to blow out because they have a good enough defense that you're probably not going to put up 40 points, even though it happened a couple times this season, Chargers and Browns, uh, as Chargers and Browns fans have noted multiple times on Twitter. <laughs> so you're probably not going to score a ton of points against them. And if you do, the offense is good enough to keep up. So they are a very tough team to blow out. And I think whoever wins, this will absolutely be a one score game. Yeah. And you look at the, uh, run the Rams have been on too, you know, beat the Niners by three, beat the Bucks by three, even with a huge lead. They did beat the Cardinals by 23. Arizona sort of just checked out and looked completely overwhelmed. They lost to the Niners by three before that, beat the Ravens by one, Vikings by seven, beat Seattle by 10, Arizona by seven. They blew out, and you go through the year, you know, they blew out Jacksonville. Bad team. Blew out Houston. Bad team. Blew out the Giants. Bad team. Blew out the Bears. Bad team. And yep. they blew out the Cardinals twice. So they just had the – they got blown out by the Cardinals. They had the Cardinals, the Cardinals number, and they blew out a bunch of bad teams. And to your point, the Bengals are 
All right. The way that these two teams match up, it would be very surprising if the Bengals weren't competitive or had a, like a, a possession to tie it up in the second half, I think, because Cincinnati can go real pass heavy and it's really difficult to defend because they have so many different weapons. Maybe Jalen Ramsey's following Jamar Chase around. Well, T Higgins is going to get fed. Tyler Boyd's going to get fed. You know, they can use Joe Mixon in the passing game. Um, Joe Burrow can use his legs. They can generate plenty of points while trailing. And we've seen that from them. Also, the Rams love to turtle up and be super conservative in the second half. So you can stack the box. They're going to pound Cam Akers in the middle. And we'll see a lot of runs. I, I think it'll be low scoring early on. My take, my feeling is that the Rams pull away and have a lead going into halftime. And the, because that's how sort of how the Bengals roll, man. No? And then they surprise you in the second half, like a sneak attack from a tiger. It's the year like of the I, tiger, Brenton. It is the year of the tiger. Don't you dare tiger. pick against the Bengals. No, I just think the Bengals will be – the Bengals will have an opportunity in this. I, I think the, maybe they go to halftime with a lead. And by the way, the Bengals have been one of the best teams at halftime adjustments this year, which is interesting because now, you know, Sean McVay, who doesn't lose when he's got a halftime lead. Well, and, and you know, to your point about the Rams coming – having an early lead – uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the first quarter of the Super Bowl is similar to the first quarter of the Chiefs Bengals game where the Chiefs led seven to three. You know, both teams kind of slowly matriculated the ball down the field. Uh, the Chiefs had an 11 play, 84 yard drive. The Bengals had a 14 play drive, even though they only went 61 yards. So, uh, because both of the teams can move. And you know what? I think it will be interesting that uh, as good as Evan Pearson has been, I think the team that settles for less field goals wins because both these coaches love kicking field goals. I think we see a lot of field goals in this game. A lot of field goals. At the over on the field goals. Yep, at the over on the field goals. These Both these coaches are not a... So th these coaches will both be a little nervous about being too aggressive and setting the other team's offense up for good field position, I think. Like if they have fourth and two at midfield, I bet both coaches punting. Unless it's, you know, they're trailing by seven or ten or something like that. I think the... um. Uh, we're going to throw this in there, too. At the, the man on in the chat there, Debo, says, is the game over if the Bengals lead by more than double digits at half? Uh, absolutely not. I, both, again, both of these teams. Sean McVay, 2-23 and 23 when trailing by double digits in the second half of a game. But both <laughs> wins, a, NFC Championship games. What What's the... I mean, what's the general record for people who are trailing by... I mean, 2-23 and ten, 23 can't be good. But I'm saying I mean, they, they came guess. up big. They won in two big games. Yeah. I mean, I would guess that a lot of those are like the 40, you know, you're playing the 40, the regular season games. I don't put as much stock into either because in a postseason game, when you're trailing by double digits in the second half, you're going all out. Like well, you're not leaving anything on the line. This let year. me ask you this. Who would you feel more comfortable picking to win if they were trailing by double digits in the second half of this game, the Rams or the Bengals? Probably the Bengals. I don't I mean, want to I, the show by double digits, but I just need to hear you say it. But again, I think both coaches will be running on first down with a lead in the second half. If they have a double digit lead, it's going to present an opportunity for live over, for live betting, whoever's trailing, because that's just how those teams operate. So I would expect it. And the, the teams know how each other operates. That's the best part is they know each other so yeah. well with Zach Taylor being on Mike Bay staff. It adds another twist to this. Yeah. So uh, for me, I think we see somebody make a play just somebody being down in the second half does not certainly does not preclude a, a potential comeback situation all right darren at snake eyes nl 78 ask how different 
do you think the out? Oh, um, oh, and who's the one unsung hero? The winning team, no one knows. Hmm. Well, it can't be McPherson because everyone knows him. Yeah, McPherson's kind of famous now. I would say you could get um, either Drew Sample or I don't know if Tyler Boyd would count. Maybe maybe a defensive player for the Bengals, B.J. Hill or Jermaine Pratt, two NC State guys that are kind of under the radar. Trey Hendrickson, does he count? People yeah, I know him. So. Does, I, I think any defensive player counts. I think any defensive player for the It's Bengals, not Aaron Donald or Von Miller. Yeah, or Jalen Ramsey. Or Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, uh, and then you could also say that um, like Ben Skoranek, might be the guy. He had a, I mean, he had a look for a touchdown pass. I think an interesting he a touchdown pass in the UFC title game. They, I, I don't think they'll be shy about going to him again. I think an interesting possible hero, and you know, it doesn't count as somebody you never heard of. But I think Cam Akers, just because he tore his Achilles in July and is now playing in a Super Bowl, uh, that is amazing. And you know, if he scores two touchdowns and wins MVP, I think that counts as an unsung hero because if you would have asked anyone a month ago if the, he even has a possibility of playing Super Bowl, the answer would have been no. Yep. Uh, Kendall Blanton, tight end for the for the Rams could count if he sees more playing time because Higby's banged up. Um, one more, uh, somebody in the chat threw out, uh, throw some of those up there. Somebody threw out Awuzie if he shuts down Cup. Yeah, I mean, if, if Awuzie's shadowing Cup and... Cup had to have a big game. I mean, that'll, that'll be something for sure. Uh, Flowers, Reader, guys, Sam Hubbard, I think, would qualify. Uh, CJ Uzama going to play? Uh, he's got a strained MCL. Higby is a strained MCL. They both have the same injury. That's the crazy thing. And so it will be, I think it's going to be game time decision for both, is what it's kind of uh, trajectory for both. The, um, who's the other guy I was going to say? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, it's a possible unsung hero. Yeah. How am I forgetting? Kendall Wynn? No, I was going to say it was, um, am I missing one? Uh, Does Kendall Wynn count? Uh, yeah, I said, I think I said him, right? You uh, said Drew Sample? Yeah, I think it was a problem. Samaj P. Ryan? He had a big touchdown against the Chiefs. Samaj P. Ryan, there you go. For, a former record holder with the the uh, Oklahoma Sooners. All right. Uh, moving along back to uh, Darren's question. How different do you think the outcome would be if Burrow was on the Rams and Stafford was on the Bengals? Very interesting question. The Bengals would have lost 23 to seven. The Bengals would have lost 31 to seven to the Titans. That's, that's the difference. If Stafford has been horrible under pressure this year, Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback in a game where the offensive line is giving up nine Stafford sacks. Was the number one quarterback against the blitz for the record. The Titans didn't blitz. They just know, used know, four just, pass rushers. Yeah, I'm telling you that's – yeah, I know. I'm trying to stop you from uh, – Stafford would have been – Matthew Stafford's name. Stafford would have been mauled. But if that Bengals offensive line against the Titans defensive line, Stafford would have been mauled. And the Bengals are out. That's where they lose. I get with that. Um, I'll let you say where the Rams go out with Burrow. Well, I, I, I mean, I think Burrow would be really good on the Rams. I think Stafford would be really good on the, the Bengals. But definitely, I mean – Burrow is the quarterback you would want versus Stafford when it comes to a bad offensive line, but that's basically a byproduct of age. I think, you know, yeah, Stafford, is, Stafford is 33 about to be 34, much more difficult for him to you know, maneuver. I mean, he's still, he's still mobile, but he's not going to move around like Burrow does. I mean, Burrow is a young guy, even with a torn ACL. So I, I think, yeah, that's, that's a fair assessment. The Bengals bad offensive line is easier to overcome with a young mobile quarterback. Definitely. But with Burrow on the Rams, I, I'd be very interested to see what McVay would do. 
Um, I'm trying to think you had the Cardinal because the Rams win that game with Burrow with Stafford. The Rams win that game with Blake Portals. That's how much better they were in that first game. And then you had the second play. I don't know that the Rams necessarily roll with Burrow against the, the Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could have been a little different. Um, but who knows how that game plays out because maybe the Rams never have a huge lead and Tom Brady never makes a comeback and the final score is 30, 27, except it was even the whole way. Uh, yeah. That would have definitely been an interesting game. And who knows against the 49ers actually had a great game against Burrow back in December. So he could have struggled against them. So it, it would be very interesting to see both quarterbacks, but I think the Rams have a better shot at being in the Super Bowl with Burrow than the Bengals would have with, with Stafford. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, like Clarence in, in the chat points out, no way Stafford gets away from Chris Jones uh, the way that, the way that Burrow <laughs> on yeah. those two third downs, I mean, like, most people don't like Josh Allen, might Josh Allen, maybe, um, Joe Burrow should have defied. It's like he's not as a, even close with as athletic as Josh Allen, and he's just doing these- like because he's smaller and slipperier. He was able to slide out. I, I think Josh Allen might go down there if he doesn't toss Chris Jones off. And it was almost like Chris Jones didn't expect Burrow to react like that. All right, let's. Uh, we got a couple rapid fire questions in the chat. Oh, Mel Mel Grunwald asks over under on Stafford interceptions in the Super Bowl. I mean, I probably take. Uh, I think the over under is. It's gotta be- it's either half or one and a half. I'm sure it's a half. I'm, I'm taking the over either way. One and a half. People would smash the under, I feel like. I'm going over. Um, let's take a look and see what it says. Whatever way, number Brenton gives the, me, sign me up for the over. I would take the over on Stafford interceptions for sure. Stafford over a half minus 130. Burrow over a half minus 125. So, I mean, they're basically priced pretty similar. I mean, with these defensive players... And I mean, I would, I mean, I wouldn't take the under on those. I would take the over for both of them, if anything. Yeah, I could see, I, I could see Burrow throwing an interception. I would, I, you take well, the under on both, especially if you're talking about a situation where if you think the Bengals are trailing. Yeah. I mean, Burrow could have easily thrown two picks against the, the Chiefs. Did he, oh, he had one anyway, right? He had one. He had the one he tried to throw away. But I mean, Stafford should have had two picks against the 49ers. Tart, Tarquiski Tart dropped the easiest interception of his life. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely could see if, both quarterbacks throwing interceptions. If we think this is going to get into a situation where one team is, you know, pushing to come back and forcing the ball down the field, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And you have a lot of, um, you know, whether it's you know Jesse Bates, Jalen Rand. I mean, there's a ton of players in the secondary on both sides who can make plays and, and pick him off. Um, okay, Alex Stockton says, "What other team could go from bad to competitor, a la the Bengals?" Ooh. Somebody said it's gonna be the Panthers. I don't know about that. Yeah, um, I'm not feeling the. Okay, so here I'll throw out the candidates. I think you need to have been. I got a crazy answer in my head. Do you want me to say it before your candidates, or is, it, is your answer the Jets? It is not the right city, wrong team. Oh, the Giants, sure. All right, so Giants, I think I here are. I think here are candidates: the Jets, the Jaguars, the Texans. I don't think you can go Broncos. No, they had seven wins. They're that's too good of like they're, they're too good of a team to go from. Yeah, the, the Bengals have the worst record. Two Giants, years Lions. I don't think you could bear they've been to the playoffs recently. I think the Panthers do count because they've been just so bad for a few years. I now. was going to say we can only count teams that won five wins or less this year. Yeah. So Panthers, Giants. I mean, excuse me, Panthers, Lions, Giants, Jaguars, Texans, Jets. You want to have the quarterback. You need to have the quarterback in place, I feel like, or you're or you're about to acquire the quarterback. You need to have a um 
so I, look, I think we can take the Texans off the board. I think we can take the uh, Jaguar. I don't want to take the Jaguars off because they have Trevor Lawrence, but they also don't currently have a head coach. So I'm going to take them off because I don't know who's coaching until, you know, it might change depending on who they grab. I can't see the Lions happening quite yet. They fought hard, but they're still just clearly missing talent. Panthers' offensive line is just too bad. You know, though, I think the only reason people have Panthers on that list is because we don't even know who their quarterback is, and they might have the second-best quarterback in the division. That's right. Like, that alone puts them in the possibility of kind of turning it around next year. Yeah, I I just don't know that whatever they come – unless they trade for, like, Rodgers or Russ or something like that, I I don't think that this is a team that – Makes it to the postseason. Although I guess they get there and then make some. But crazy if you're Rodgers or Russell Wilson and you weren't thinking about Carolina at all 24 hours ago, are you at least thinking this wouldn't be the worst place to go because that's a very winnable division right now? I would at least consider it for sure. I think you're, but you like the Giants. I think that's a good answer. Yeah, I think Brian Dable. I mean, we saw what he did with Josh Allen. I think you know, like Daniel Jones feels like he's always maybe had the talent. The turnovers are killing him. But they just needed a smart offensive coach in there, an innovative offensive coach, not a Jason Garrett style. Uh, and I think Brian Dable is that. So if anyone can fix Daniel Jones or make him better, it's Dable. And if he does, you know, if if Daniel Jones turns into mini Josh Allen, the skinny Josh Allen, then the Giants are dangerous, like instantly dangerous. They have a lot of weapons. Their defense has been okay. They just needed their quarterback to not turn the ball over 75 times a season. Yeah. And the Giants have said, John Mara. I always say his name wrong. Mar- is it Mara or Mara? Mara. Mara. Because I always say John Mara. It's John Mara, I think. Anyway, Mara. the John Mara said, we've done everything we possibly can to screw this kid up. Talking about Daniel Jones. And it's at, true. He's had at four least they're admitting it. He's had four offensive coordinators. Uh, this will be his third head coach. Actually, Dorsey, or I mean, excuse me, not Dorsey. Um, whoever comes might be their, is it the fifth offensive coordinator? It's a lot. Because did Shermer fire one guy or let's see, 2021 Giants. So they had two last year with Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. Garrett the year before for the full season. And then Mike Shula in 2019. Mike Shula and Mike Sullivan before that. So he had, no, he didn't. He wasn't with Mike. So what year was he drafted? He was drafted in 2019. Okay. Yeah, so you said this will okay, be. So he'll be on his third head coach and fourth offensive coordinator. Right. And he's and that's been, a lot. And this is his fourth, it will be his fourth year in the league. That's an insane amount. How are you supposed to, I mean, you can't develop a quarterback like that. So I give credit for, to um, the Giants, like you said, for admitting it and um, to, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the coaching staff for understanding that. We'll see how patient they will be. Okay. Back to the questions. Oh, um, mailbag. mailbag Paul Murphy at the Pablo man ask who is your predicted MVP keep up the great work guys from your number one fan in Scotland shout out Scotland Paul Murphy thanks buddy Scotland um, I Scotland once I loved it so I think we should take this two ways one uh, we should look at Adiba has the odds fantastic sounds like you're looking for him one I think we should look at it from a perspective of who do we think will win the MVP? And then two, I think we need to look at it from a perspective of, are there some good values out there for MVP? Uh, Breach, I assume that you're going to pick the Bengals to win. You picked them to win every game in the playoffs. It would be kind of insane to stop now with the championship on the line. 
So that means I assume you believe your MVP will be Joe Burrow. Yes and yes. I don't even need to explain. It's just correct. And you know what? At plus 220, I actually like the value. I, I, I mean, that's not bad at all. You're getting, you're getting over two to one odds with one of the quarterbacks in the game. Uh, I mean, that's pretty strong. Well, if you're, I mean, if you're, if you think the Bengals are going to win the game, I would rather bet Joe Burrow at plus 220 to win MVP than bet the Bengals at plus 170 to win outright. Because I think it is extremely likely that if the Bengals win, Joe Burrow will be a big part of it and will be MVP. So you're getting 50 cents bonus onto that. Now, clearly, they could have a defensive touchdown. Uh, Joe Mixon could go absolutely nuts. You know, there's there's all kinds of different things. And, and hey, look, the last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl, a kicker would have been their MVP if Joe Montana did not throw a touchdown pass to John Taylor. And that's a game where they scored. They were up 16-13. You score three field goals and a kickoff return for a touchdown. So there's And the defense gave up 450 yards, a little more than that. So, you know, there's weird situations. We saw it with the Patriots the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl where people were talking about a punter. Uh, being the MVP because it was a field goal battle that featured two of the most insane punting performances ever in the Super Bowl. So you can see these weird circumstances come up. And if, you know, a weird circumstance were to ever come up, this would seem like a year where it could happen just because the Rams and Bengals are two weird teams. I would agree with that. Um, I'm going to say that and McPherson is 75 to one. If anyone wants to bet him. Uh, I will say that. Oh, I, let me see, I was looking at the wrong thing. I did first touchdown score. I want anytime touchdown score. Uh, so Cooper Cup there. I think a lot of people will have Cooper Cup as a um, as a good as a good bet there. I I don't I don't think it I don't think it is necessarily a good bet. And the logic here is that you can I believe. Let me see if I find this. So Cup. So three wide receivers have won Super Bowl MVP. Like the last 20 years. Julian Edelman, Dion, oh no, four wide receivers, excuse me. Two were Steelers, oddly enough. Two were Patriots. Mm. Julian Edelman, Dion Branch, Heinz Ward, and Santonio Holmes. All guys went way over 100 yards, had monster games. But I think when you look at Cooper Cup, his over under is 102.5 receiving. And, and that list you just read, Brinson, you, you mentioned Dion Branch, right? Yep. That goes all the way back to 1990. Those are the only receivers okay. to win since 1990. 30, 30 plus years. And let's not forget that the two, so two are Steelers receivers, which I think is notable because Big Ben in that first one did not have a very big game. And in the second one, I really don't think that the media wanted to vote for Ben as Super Bowl MVP. Like that was a real thing that was happening in that Cardinals uh, Steelers Super Bowl. And because San Antonio Holmes makes that catch, they win the game. It's easy to do. The other two with Brady. Edelman had a monster game in a low-scoring output against the Rams, and Deion Branch had a monster game in a low-scoring, I think kind of low-scoring output with the Eagles game or Eagles Super Bowl. Anyway, Brady in both of those had one Super Bowl MVP in the two-year, in at least two years prior to that. Yeah, Branch was the 24-21 Patriots win. Yeah, I, my point being is that I think that the voters had just all these voters are the same. They'd probably just given it to Tom Brady a year before or two years before. And so there was mitigating circumstances. So if you think it's going to be a shootout, it is pretty unlikely that Cooper Cup is is your guy. I think you can do. See if I can do a same game parlay on Cup. And, you know, one of the things that the commenter 
mentioned, um, what I say, uh, Dakota Miller, you know, makes a good point that if Cooper Cup does have a big game, that likely means Matthew Stafford had a big game. And therefore, you know, voters might be inclined to give it to him. And so you do need to have kind of a history making game as a receiver. Again, go back to Super Bowl 23 with the Bengals when they played the 49ers. Jerry Rice won MVP. Uh, Joe Montana threw for 357 yards, two touchdowns, could have very well MVP been MVP. But Rice won it because he set the Super Bowl record for most receiving yards in a game with 215. And that record still stands. So it's going to take a huge performance uh, from from a receiver to win that award. Um, I would rather bet Cooper Cup over 102.5 receiving yards and anytime touchdown at plus 166 than bet on Cup seven to one to win the uh, to win the um, Super Bowl MVP. And if you can't you can't do it on uh, Caesars, but some places will let you do a same same game parlay where you do Cup over receptions, Cup over receiving yards and cup anytime touchdown, I would guess that gets kind of close to seven to one. Like, I think that's, that's a more likely outcome. Like you could still get that and cup doesn't win MVP, you know, right. He he has, he has 10 plus catches, 125 yards, scores a touchdown and doesn't win MVP because again, we talk about this every year, the way that these Super Bowl vote, the MVP votes work. There's a bunch of media members sitting in the press box. They are told that it's the certain people are given this ballot to make the vote. They're all on deadline to write stories for their actual job. This vote that they're doing is an additional to, addition to their job. They are not likely, I mean, they're going to think about it and everybody's sort of thinking through the course of the game, the narrative, but if it's anywhere close to a tie, if it's not like a record shattering performance or it's a quarterback who's there for the first time, or maybe there for the last time, see Peyton Manning, I guess Vaughn got it actually. Never mind. Uh, they're they're going to give the award to the quarterback. That's just that's just the, the default. So unless you like, I'd rather bet Odell Beckham at sixteen to one, or Aaron Donald at twenty five to one, than um, you know Stafford at plus one twenty. Because I think you know if Donald just has a, a transformational performance, say you know, five sacks or something like that. You know that would be. I think that would be something that would flip it for the voters potentially. Or, you know, one of the running backs could be a sneaky pick. Yeah. Um, Joe Mixon's the highest at 25 to 1. Scroll down a little bit, Debo, please. And uh, Cam Akers is up there at 30 to 1. But both of those, you know, if one of the running back goes off for 150 yards and two touchdowns and your team wins by three, they're probably winning it. So, um, you know, we're expecting this pass happy Super Bowl because of who these team two teams are. But, hey. We saw the Bengals AFC title game. Zach Taylor will force the run if he has to. If that's how he has to beat this defensive line, that's why he kept running on first down because he didn't want Joe Burrow to get killed by Chris Jones. We have seen Sean McVay. He will also run it if he just to calm Matthew Stafford down or to keep him. If he feels like Stafford's struggling, he'll start running it. So it wouldn't be a total shocker to see one of these running backs have a big game. T. Higgins 40 to 1 is at least intriguing. Ooh, that is intriguing. Whatever you would have to assume that Jalen Ramsey will, Jamar Chase will see a lot of Jalen Ramsey. I mean, 40, I mean, again, if T Higgins gets it, it's probably going to go to Joe Burrow, but 40 to one is spicy. Who else is down there on that list? Uh, Diva scroll. To, I just want to see. Van Jefferson's at 60 to one. Jalen Ramsey, 60 to one. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't mind sprinkling on some of those guys. Tyler Boyd, 75 to one. And now we're getting Evan McPherson, 75 to one. I know breach. I I'll bet you any amount of money. I will bet. Breach betting Evan McPherson to win Super Bowl MVP is like minus seven thousand. I'll put I'll put five dollars on it and take a three hundred and seventy five dollar win uh, if he wins it all. That, that doesn't 
you know, it's, it's a kicker winning MVP. It's never happened before. So it's not anything I'm going to put a ton of money on, but yeah, I'm going to bet on a kicker to win. It might bet on Matt Gay too at a hundred to one. All right. Uh, let's see. Next. Stu Brumhill at stub 67 asks, whom of all the coaches on both sides would be the most fun down at the pub. These things matter to a Brit PS. When is the pick six pod going on the road to come to London slash Brighton? We need a pod in front of an audience, ideally in a pub. Uh, ideally that happens soon. I'm getting on Please my first- email our bosses, our editors, just our uh, everybody. Debo, email Debo, and then Debo will pass the message along. Send us to London. We need to get a hashtag. Pick six to London. I mean, I'm getting on my first airplane in like two years. I'm getting on my first airplane since the Super Bowl in Miami on this Sunday. weekend. I'm kind of, I mean, I'm kind of nervous about it. I mean, I shouldn't be, but like, who would have who would have thought your first airplane would be going to see the Bengals play? Not me. Going to cover the Bengals. Imagine telling me and like, oh, like on my way back from Miami two years ago, it's like you're not going to be on an airplane again for two years, and the next time you get on one, you'll be going to see the Bengals play in the Super Bowl. It's like <laughs> sure. you'd be like, how much did Breach pay you to say that? That's dumb. Yeah, nobody like, nobody believes that. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, so yeah, I mean, like we'd love to make it happen. Got to you know, stuff's got to clear up a little bit before we do it. Hashtag Pick Six to London. Um, who are the coaches on both? Are we talking about the coaches on? I think Stu's in the chat. So Stu, clarify if you don't mind. And by the way, if you're in the chat and you're watching, listening on YouTube, smash that like button. Uh, Stu, when we say both sides, do we mean any coach? Or are we talking about the coaches on the on the on the Bengals and the, the or race? just the Super Bowl? Yeah, because I think that makes a difference. Sean McVay and would be an obvious an obvious option for you know enjoying some some drinks down at the, the pub. Uh, Raheem Morris would be extremely fun down at the pub. He's not, he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to have a, uh, a beer or two. I've seen him out at the combine, I believe. And I'm not suggesting he's any different than anybody else at the combine, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to think Prince, who else. Prince and throwing people under the bus here. No, 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 no. That's a, it's, it's a compliment. If I say that they'd be fun at the pub, it's a compliment to him. Um, I'm trying to think who else. From these teams, I mean, I guess Zach Taylor keeps going to bars and, 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 and handing out footballs after every win. I mean, how yeah. do you not want to have a beer with that guy? Yeah, uh, but you know what, Sean? It depends. Are you trying to get hammered? He said, or, "Yeah, the Super Bowl." He's talking. Okay, so are you trying to get hammered, or are you trying to have like a, a couple beers and go home? Because you know, Sean McVay's not married yet; he is engaged, so he's still got kind of the the bachelor attitude of. You know, I'm a football, 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 and I'm pretty sure as soon as the season's over every year, he goes to Cabo for two weeks. And I'm sure, you know, that's where he ran to Matthew Stafford last year. Yeah. And I'm sure he has a great time. Uh, you know, I know he had a great time in college at Miami of Ohio. So definitely Sean McVay, if you're trying to stay out till like 2 a.m. But if it's, uh, let's have two beers, stay out till about midnight, then it's Zach Taylor. <laughs> Zach Taylor's the responsible one here. I mean, you don't agree? I bet Joe D. Camillus, the special teams coach or coordinator for the Rams, would have some stories, right? Like that's that's also what I'm looking for. Is like who can like sidle up to the bar and have and like spin some stories. That's um, <laughs> that's hilarious because I was thinking that too. Like you have who's been around the longest and you just are drinking beers and they're just telling you all their war tales. Uh Darren Simmons has been the Bengals special teams coach since 2003 can you imagine what he's been through with all these playoff losses and I mean, I gotta, they gotta drink, drink some i mean and we're assuming we, we don't know whether you know, you know like we're not trying to assume that everybody's pounding beer or anything like that but i think um you know i think that uh yeah most of these guys are, are probably al golden would be kind of fun i'd love to hear about miami from al golden both of these both of these coaching staffs are really you know like largely pretty young 
you know, there's no, there's only like one or two really older guys on these staffs. So I think both coaching staffs would be a blast to go out and, uh, and have cocktails with. Definitely. Okay. Um, no, oh, that's it. Is that the show? That's the show. That's it for the mailbag show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for watching. Mailbag. For I'm sure we'll have more, uh, we'll have many more. Are we going to talk about the Super Bowl anymore or is no more this week? We're done, right? No more until the Super Bowl. We're just going to, we're going to forget it's happening, right? <laughs> what? It's like, I think we got like no more Super Bowl shows until, until the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah. We'll be having tons of, um, tons of Super Bowl content coming your way in the next two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Make sure and hit that like button on YouTube, subscribe, uh, rate and review. Hit the alert button so you know when we go live. Got plenty of coaching hires coming up as well. Talk to you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.